Aloha, unconventional people, and welcome back to another episode of The Unconventional Professor. This is Loredana Padurian, and I am so grateful to have you here with us today. I think I said this in my last podcast, but I can't believe that you're actually listening. I can't believe that you actually like it. And for my segment of the day, I like what I like. I want to like you. (laughs) Now, why am I saying this? I had two instances this week when somebody specifically reached out to me based on something that I said on the podcast, and they told me how much they valued something they heard on the podcast and how this this commentary or accidental advice helped them. In one of the cases, it was a comment about uh, owning your life. And I don't remember exactly what I said, but one of the one of the listeners, one of my uh, friends, uh, if I may call her so, she called me to tell me that she was in a very, very difficult situation with some family members. And uh, uh, she she remembered listening to my podcast the day before that. And she remembered me saying that when I feel weak, when I feel afraid, when I feel scared, there's almost a super version of me coming outside of, of myself. There's almost a uh, the, the almost an alter ego coming and, and taking over and being in charge of the experience uh, and being stronger and, and better and faster than I guess the other side of me and she said I was in one of these tense situations and then I thought of your words and I said okay let me find my alter ego and funny enough it worked and I have to say I I was so touched I I I really could not believe it that somebody used something that I said in this podcast and it helped and there's another another friend that listened to this podcast. I actually never met her in person. She's a friend from back home in, in Romania. We are only social media friends, unfortunately, but I hope when, when the world becomes better, we'll, we'll get to know each other. And she sent me a very, very long message, a very touching, validating message. And I really want to say how much I appreciate when you're listening uh, and especially how much I appreciate when you tell me that this is valuable. And my final, my final comment to this would be that I have learned um, there's a Jewish expression that says a person that saves one life saves the world. And I'm not going to go around and tell people that I saved somebody's life. But if one little comment that I made or especially my guests made on this podcast and you think it was useful, I am so grateful. I am so touched. I'm really, really humbled by the experience. Thank you. So that was my message for you today. I I really wanted to to tell you how much I appreciate it. And now let me move gears and tell you about the guest that we are having today. His name is Jack Farrell. He's an entrepreneur through and through. He was my student in the class of 2019. And um, I have to admit it, and I'm going to admit it here on on this podcast if you want. But I have a massive energy crush on Jack. Now, what do I mean by energy crush? Jack is one of the most positive, energetic, enthusiastic, and optimist people I have ever met in my life. And he is genuinely, and he uses this word a lot, he is genuinely excited about life. He's passionate about um, learning. He's passionate about doing things. And I I so wish I was more like him. I so wish that I had, that I had this 
zest for life the way he has it. And he is such a positive, energetic force that I had to have him on the podcast. He's also the founder of D2G um, uh, company. It's an e-commerce company and they launched their first product. It's called Love, Love, Love. Uh, And it's um, a face mask, which you probably saw it on my Instagram. It's a face mask made of lavender, lava, and with a lot of love. It's a purple mask and they are about to launch their their new product, which is a, a skin guac. I'm really, really, really massively impressed with Jack. Like I said, I have a uh, an energy crush on him. I, I'm obsessed with his energy. I wish I had his energy. And Jack is going to tell us about why he thinks that everybody is unconventional in their own way. So stand by for Five on Five with Jack Farrell, and I will see you in just a minute. How are you? Oh, Lord Donna, we're live. Let's do we this. We are live. We are live. Oh, my God. Do you know that you are one of the reasons why I finally got the guts to do this podcast? I don't know why that would be. I mean, I, uh, so many things I'm doing now, it's because of uh, your guidance and pushing. So, uh, you know, I knew this was a matter of time, though. And it's only (laughs) a matter of time until I know we're both doing this in Malaysia right now. But uh, this one's going to be heard far and wide. So I'm excited to be one of the early ones on the podcast. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I actually think you are my first entrepreneur. Oh, very nice. Mm, yes. Very nice. Guys, for, th- for those of you who, uh, who don't know, Jack Farrell was my student class of 2019, one of the most memorable and highly unconventional people I have ever met in my life. Here we uh, go. For those of you joining us for the first time, this is Five on Five on the Unconventional Professor podcast. So what does Five on Five look like? I have five questions for Jack. He has five questions for me. He doesn't know my questions. I don't know his questions. So God help us all. Man, I, <laughs> I, uh, I was up late last night uh, thinking about what my five questions were going to be. <laughs> um, I'm ready, though. I think it's going to be good. You know, five on five makes me think of my sports background. You know, exactly. it's going uh, to be good. I'm excited to get going. All right. Let's make it done really good. And let's jump straight into it if... Um, you allow me, I will start with the questions that I love to ask all my guests who join me on the Unconventional Professor podcast. Jack Farrell, tell us a little bit about yourself and what makes you unconventional. Oh, great question. Um, So, I mean, I guess I would say, first of all, I think everyone's unconventional in their own sense. It's just kind of deep. I guess, do you let your unconventional ways... Mm uh guide yourself and do you let that do you expose them in a way and i guess um really everyone everyone has them um, yes. i guess maybe i am uh <laughs> i'm willing to 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 show them and trust them like right now i mean i guess unconventional like i'm building a cosmetics company skincare company targeting women yet i'm six foot two <laughs> big with a big beard um so i mean that's a little bit unconventional yeah. i would say it is. It is highly unconventional. And and I would say for those of you who don't know you, they uh, they really should try to find you on whatever social media you have, even though you're not very active on your personal social media. But yeah. that's true. When somebody sees you for the first time, you look like a football player because I think you were a football player, right? I was uh, in, you know, uh, Duke for four years. Um, 
And now I'm selling cosmetics, building them from <laughs> Southeast Asia. <laughs> yes. yes, that's that's as unconventional as I would say. So um, uh, I love your first answer, Jack, because this is the reason why I do this podcast. So there are so many people that think that they have to be put in this box or or they even believe there's a box. Yes. And you know how I feel about the box. There's no such thing. And I love your 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 question, your answer that everybody's unconventional. It's just a matter of how willing you are uh, allowing yourself to expose your unconventional unconventionality or to truly embrace it. Great I, first answer. I, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, I think it, just quickly off that it's uh, and we even talked about it before this. It's like we both have watched that show called uh, Queen's Gambit, where it's like, oh. you know, this, you know, this girl, Elizabeth Harmon, Beth Harmon, pursuing a career in chess. Like, how unconventional is that? Like, you know, supporting yeah. herself, supporting her adopted mom and all that. Like, that is unconventional. But what is unconventional about it is like she just truly doubled down and committed to her gift, yeah. whatever that is. And like, that's admirable. So I just think I think everyone has that kind of unconventional, if you want to use that word, or, or gift. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's just committing and trusting that like you know you can make a go of that and I think in 2020 with the internet with the connected world with social media you can you can you know support yourself and do just about anything you want it it really lends itself to uh, I think diving and committing to your unconventional ways absolutely and I think for those of you who are probably uncomfortable with the word unconventional. I think what both Jack and I mean by unconventional is being true to yourself and whatever that self of yours is. And maybe you haven't yet found it because maybe you, Jack, were born unconventional and you always <laughs> embraced your your inner self. But for many of us, it's a journey to accept our unconventionality. Great intro. I am ready for your first question, Jack Farrell. Oh, uh, here we go. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I guess kind of along the same lines of like, you know, trusting yourself and, you know, going into... Uh, you know, kind of how you can manifest yourself. It's early on. It's like kind of who are um, like, who do you look up to? Who are your heroes? Who are your biggest mm. influences? So I, I guess the question for you is like, when you were growing up, who was your biggest hero? And um, who is your biggest hero today? And, and why? Oh, great question. I, I talked a little bit about uh, my grandmother in some of the previous podcasts, and I don't think I realized at that point that she was my hero. But as I reflect back on my life and I reflect back on a lot of the values that I have today, uh, it is my grandmother. And I don't think I ever got a chance to tell you this, Jack, but I, res- I recently discovered some very juicy bits about my great grandmother. <laughs> uh-huh. so my great grandmother was born sometimes in 1910, 19. 19- 12 something like that and she was born in a small village she was a a woman in a small village somewhere at at that point Romania was under uh, Austrian occupation Uh and she was the the richest girl in in the village and she was married off to the richest boy next door and um, uh, (laughs) she uh, this is what I found out with a with a lot of surprise Uh uh, she divorced him two years later or three years later And she started the divorce process. And I want you once again to contextualize this. You're in a small village. Your Uh family is highly influential. And you, as a, at that point, 20 year old girl, you, you get a divorce and you stick with it. 
And the reason why she got a divorce, I think, based on the stories, is that her husband was gay. And wow. probably she could have lived off a pretty decent life, but she didn't want to. So during the marriage, she started an affair with a, the town's mayor and her husband caught her. And the husband said, you know what, it's OK because I don't mind. And my great grandmother said, but I do. And I want to live my life the way I want to live my life. And I always thought of that young girl in a small village in Transylvania yeah. going against traditions, uh, you know, the uh, uh, gossip, uh, being, I'm sure she was the butt of the joke and, and, and I'm sure she did not have an easy life. And she got a divorce and she married her, at that point, lover. And they were together for, I think, about 30 years until he died tragically pretty young. But that for me was such a validating story. And the reason is because my, my parents always tell me, where do you come from? You are so weird. And I'm like, if you ask me where I come from, maybe you should ask yourself that question. But when I found out about my great grandmother, I felt so validated. So I would say that I'm excited to see that I have some unconventional blood in me. But like I said, my great, my grandmother, who was the daughter of my great grandmother, she was truly my hero. Um, she had, yeah. she was highly entrepreneurial. I think Jack, she would have been a millionaire in these days. Um, <laughs> it sounds like it. you got I mean, you just got to admire people. You have that, to. Uh, yeah. Like in, in the sense of, you know, it very, especially back then, my perception and I'm assuming here, but it's like it would have been very easy to I mean, it was probably more accepted to just, you know, the idea of rocking the status quo. Exactly. Of what that small town was probably yeah. unheard of to go against the grain. So. Oh you know, having God, yeah. that fortitude to do it is incredibly impressive. Yeah. And then who do I look up today? Uh, it's a very simple answer. Greta Thunberg. I think she is a rock star. I think she is so commendable for her resilience to go against, once again, see, this is my theme, go against the, 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 the typical wave, if you want. And I think Greta Thunberg is such a symbol of a small person going against the big, bad evil and being resilient and fighting. And not only this, but she managed to, to get millions, not millions, like what, what, 40 million people join her cause. She's a 16 year old. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? It's it, it, truly amazing. So this is, this is what I, I, I love. Uh, I like so that. as you can tell, my role models are, are women. <laughs> I, think um, I have a question for you now. This is my turn. This is my second question for you. Jack. There we go. So, um, I have to tell you that, and it's very, very visible from this uh, conversation, but also um, for those of you uh, not knowing, Jack also just gave a, a guest lecture in my class, which I have to say, it's always so validating when my students come back. And the, the reception of your fellow students was probably off the roof. And oh, I love one that. One of the most optimistic and full of positive energy person that I have ever met. And I always wondered, what is it that you have for breakfast that you are so happy all the time? <laughs> well, this is not my question, but my, my real question is, what makes you so positive? Where do you have this amazing positive energy? Was there something, I don't know, did you grow up with parents who were like happy-go-lucky all the time? Or what's the secret sauce, Jack? Oh, it's such a good question. And, um, you know, I think just, yeah, first of all, innately... I, I just genuinely, I, I, like, n no one ever sat me down and said, you know, 
this is how we need to like I just genuinely always innately believe anything you genuinely want to do you can do yeah like literally any I I just I I I I just believe that to my core Mm. um and I would say like I am so so genuinely fortunate that like like I asked you like who's your uh role model yeah role model I like to this day the bit you know my hero and the biggest you know uh, compliment anyone can give me is that I remind them of my dad mm-hmm. um, and you know we joked about it on the class lecture today is like you know uh, about my parents are like you know why are you like why are you in Malaysia doing it's like <laughs> yeah. both my parents are trained accountants my sister's <laughs> a trained accountant and I'm in Malay like but yet they are so supportive of me yeah. and you know like they've never said like you can't do that so I guess I just grew up in an environment that was never like, you can't do this. It wasn't always like go and do, but like, I just, yeah. so why am I so positive? I think it's just cause like I innately am like that, but also I think it's very important to think that of everything in this world, of everything in this world, like there's not many things that are, you are in 100% control of. Of course. One thing that you are in absolute, I mean, like, you can't, you can't, you can't rebuke this is you are in 100% control of your attitude. And there's this great quote of, uh, in Nick Saban, big time football coach, um, that he writes in his biography that says you can't control how hard the winds are blowing, but you can adjust your sails. So Mm -hmm. in the sense of like, you don't, you can't control like the stuff that happens to you, but like how you respond and your outlook and your optimism and all that, dude, you control that. So why would you not, be optimistic um it's it's really how i look at it so that's that's such a there's so many great points in this and and i do hope for for people that have children who listen to this i do think this is a massive um uh, an important point of view i think when you're um educated in a space where you're constantly told you cannot do that or don't do this or this is not for you or why do you dream so big or why do you dream so unconventionally or why do you want to be different? This is what I've heard all my life as a child. Why do you have to be so different? Why can't you be like everybody else? Yeah. I find that to be one of the most diminishing questions. I, that... Don't you like, I like whenever I hear stories like that and you know, you read stories about people that are, like, fortunately, like I was always encouraged that sky is the limit. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so to me, it's always impressive when people rise from these different, you know, uh, situations where they were, you know, berated or like, you know, brought down to earth and all that, like it makes what those people can do ever that more impressive. Um, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. So people, if you have kids, please tell them that they can do whatever the heck they want and just give them the right tools and the right love. Great, 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 great answer, okay. Jack. So I'll go. I'll go. Um, so one thing of everyone that knows Loredana is she is truly, truly one of the, it's probably the best dressed in all of Malaysia. And that, <laughs> and, and that might, that might be underselling it. We could even probably broaden that to like all of ASEAN. Exactly. Why, why Malaysia? <laughs> exactly. I, it, like, I, I, I didn't even say KL specifically, cause that's only like five and a half million people. Like, no, it's gotta be at least Malaysia, if not ASEAN. And, uh, <laughs> Like, you know, I'm curious, you know, I look at, you know, outs like, you know, always looking beautiful, your, you know, your, your poise and your command 
and just general you know you're just a badass and yeah. like you know you know I mean that genuinely I do. when I say I that do, I do I do and so I'm wondering does like does you know you, you know your 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 wardrobe and you're you know wearing the best of the best designers does that help bring that out of you whenever you're going into these rooms and doing yeah. these talks in front of thousands of people I'm wondering what is it why do you dress the way that you do does that help bring that fire that I always see in you I think it's part of the same package and and I I did wonder about this many times and I do think it's is my very strong response to how I was raised in a in a community of of sort of uniforms. So I, I said this a couple of times on the podcast, but I was raised in a communist system, and the definition of communism is that everybody does mm. the same thing, uh, wears the same things, uh, eats the same things, has the same life. And probably when I rebelled, I rebelled big time. And one of the <laughs> interesting things is is Jack, and this is related to your first question. My grandmother, who was my role model, uh, became a seamstress because. Uh, we didn't have uh, clothes. I, I yeah. mean, we did, but everything was black and blue. And she would buy fabric, weird fabric, and she would make me clothes. And I remember always this feeling of, of feeling like I don't have to be part of the, 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 the you know, the, the I, I want to say collective, but in a way it was part of the collective. Yeah. And then in time, what I've learned is that as a woman, you are very much uh, put in your place if you don't fight for it. And uh, there are many ways to fight the system. And I decided to fight with the things that make me a woman. So there's many women that take the opposite path, which is, uh, and I, I'm, I'm fine with that too. They go into androgynism, right? They, they want to uh, limit their femininity so they are not attacked for that. In my case, I want to make it so fucking obvious uh -huh. and so big and so badass that you can't really say anything about it. It's going to be so in your face yeah. that you're not going to be able to say, well, she's a woman, but she's not really a woman. No, honey, I'm a woman. Hear me roar. Yeah. I'm going to be the, the, the biggest woman in the room, not from a size perspective, I hope. But you know what yeah. I mean? I am going to use my femininity. And this is not, I think you saw me. I mean, yeah, I dress. I don't think that I dress in a sexual way. I think I dress in a powerful yeah, no, way. Ex that's I, exactly how I would describe it. Like powerful command. Like it is, it, yeah. you, you can feel your aura. You know, in, in, in such a good, oh. powerful way. Thank you. I am so validated by that. Having said this, I am wearing slacks right now because I've been in this stupid house for <laughs> seven months. And the other day I put on a dress and high heels and I just walked around the house for an hour. And then I was like, "Ooh, good days, good times." <laughs> the good old days. The good old days. So um, I have a question for you right now. And you mentioned this in the beginning that you are this big beautiful tall man uh, very very masculine who does women cosmetic products right now so i want to know a little bit about what do you do and why do you do it oh great question yeah so um so right now i'm the founder of d to g brands which essentially stands for say that uh, again d2g brands uh d2g and brands. essentially that okay. stands for d to c brands built for the globe and uh Wow. And really what we do is we build at D2G Brands, we build e-commerce brands with tangible reasons to believe around products small in size, light in weight, and high in value while making the world a better place. So how that manifests itself is we're currently building a, a, a small portfolio of single product cosmetic brands. 
um, all, mm. all sourced around um, around Asia, really. So we have, um, you know, operations kind of in Malaysia, Thailand and China. And um, our first launch, if you will, first brand is called Lav Lav Love, L-A-V, L-A-V, L-U-V. And essentially the first product is um, it's called the Before Bedtime Face Mask. And it's a beautiful lavender colored, purple colored uh, face mask that is made of New Zealand lavender, Moroccan lava clay, and we're cruelty free and vegan, PETA approved. Um, and so Amen. It, it's important, you know, and we talked about we, we talked about this earlier. It's like it's OK to, you know, want to build a profitable company. But I think at the same time, you can do good for this world. I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. So every when we when I say at the end of really, what do we do? Um, I'll say that again is we build e-commerce brands with tangible reasons to believe around products, small in size, light in weight and high in value while making the world a better place. And really that last part is every brand we build. And again, Lab Lab Love, our commitment with that brand is we are uh, working with PETA and we're uh, ensuring that everything we do is PETA uh, cruelty-free and vegan. Our second brand is an avocado brand called Skin Guac, where we're going to plant one avocado tree with every unit of that hydrating face mask that we sell. Um, so yeah, and you know, so much of that is uh, like, I would not be doing what I'm doing right now had it not been for, you know, Laura Donna and coming to Malaysia and Southeast Aww. Asia. And, um, and yeah, so I, I, I just, I genuinely love it. You love I it. I love it. It's so much fun. <laughs> yes, I can tell. I can tell. Like, guys, I, I don't know if you can tell this through the podcast. I'm sure you do. But Jack has probably one of the most magnetic personalities it's so hard to be around him and, and not get instantly high on positivity. And, and I think it's even more than that, Jack. I think being next to you, I believe. I don't know what in I believe, but I believe. Well, I just believe. I guess like, <laughs> I got it. it's so nice you say it, but it, it, it's like, I just, like, I just really, I, I just, I really believe, like, like you, Lord Donna, you are building this podcast. You, you came to Malaysia to build, like, anyone can do anything that they want to do yeah. you just have yeah, to do right. it you just have to do it yeah absolutely you know one of the things that i learned recently is that it's not talent that is the most important uh skill to succeed but it's determination and not giving up you know consistency yeah absolutely absolutely resilience and determination because we can all be talented but we can also be lazy right there's a lot of talented and lazy people out there 100%. guys for those of you who haven't tried the product i'm gonna i'm gonna tag the uh, Instagram account is uh, uh, love, love, love. I always say it's like love, love, love because I so love it. <laughs> Thank you. And actually this morning I started my my morning. I know it's a before bad mask, but I also use it as a before my day kind of mask. Uh-huh. Um, and you know what I thought it was so smart, Jack? That you actually went into a cosmetic, um, into a cosmetic product that does not uh, get limited by COVID. What do I mean mm-hmm. by this? I mean, do you know how often I use a, a lipstick oh, so for true. the last seven months? <laughs> seven times, probably, right? Every time I have to go on a call. But I still want to use a mask because a mask is a treatment to the skin. And it's a little bit of a, it's like a gift to myself, right? I'm, I'm just doing something to myself. I don't have to put on makeup because I don't want to put on makeup. But I'm definitely going to use this. It smells so nice. It's so soft and it's so smooth. And the product is I mean, the packaging is very, very, very high end, and you know me, I, I am fancy. <laughs> yes, and, and, I am fancy. You are, and, uh, and yeah, and, and yeah, you're, you're completely right. And uh, 
I think self-care right now is as important as ever. And, you know, some of the marketing campaigns we've done recently, some of the angles we've taken is like, you know, you can't travel to New Zealand or you can't, you know, travel to Morocco, but like, hell, why not, you know, get ready for bed? You can travel to your bathroom and try the Exactly. Get ready for bed in a beautiful field of New Zealand lavender overlooking enchanting Moroccan water pool. So I don't know. Oh my God. It all works. It all works. Guess what I'm going to do tonight? I'm going to travel to Morocco and New Zealand just by opening a jar of love. Now love, we're love. talking. Now we're talking. Thank you so much for plugging us. <laughs> um, oh, are you kidding me? I, I actually only, I don't plug products unless I really believe in them because nobody gives me any money yeah. for this. But this one I loved. And you know that I loved it so much that I was willing to go on social media and do a live story while putting on a face mask and looking like a purple yeah. dwarf. Uh, but yeah, that was that was fun, and I'm so excited about the skin guac. I assume that's gonna be green because it's guacamole. Yeah, huh? exactly, it is. It's gonna be green. Oh, it's gonna be very green. It's gonna be so much fun on social media to share pictures of having a green face and then a purple face, and I can only imagine boys and girls enjoying this product. Yes, so and, much. Some, and we've had, yeah, I mean, it, we say it's it's for women, but we've had a, a number of men use it and uh, and love it as yeah. well. I- I, I don't think that we should be gender specific anymore these days. Uh, I think you know this about me, Jack. I am super, uh, you know, I, I believe that we are not one. I believe that we are not binary. I, I think that everybody should embrace whatever the hell they want in this planet, including including D2G cosmetics. I couldn't agree more. All right. Okay. All right. Awesome. I have one. I have one. So uh, one of the okay. concepts that I always liked in our class, um, and uh, I guess a concept that we talk a lot about is fake it till you make it. Um, uh-huh. I'm curious, like, does that really work? How do you, and, and how do you know when do you go from faking it to knowing that you made it? Yeah. Awesome question. I used to say fake it till you make it. And then one of my colleagues, Ashley Campos said, but how about this? Fake it till you make it, then become it. Uh-huh. So I, I love the, the, the addition and, and then like become that. it. So, so fake it till you make it for me was always a tool that allowed me to deal with fear and replace it with courage, right? So I, I said this on my podcast many times that I think courage is, is an action that confident in the best kind of way. But each of us have an inner saboteur. And this inner saboteur is always whispering and saying, oh, you're not good enough. Oh, you're not going to fail. Oh, look at you. You think you can yeah. do this? Come on, you can't. So that inner saboteur can become really if you feed your inner saboteur with validation. Let me repeat that because yeah. that is fundamental. This is what I learned from RuPaul. The, the inner saboteur can become really big if you constantly feed it with validation. Oh, yeah, that is true. I am not good enough. Or, you know, some, I don't listen to my podcast very often because I am not that narcissistic. But when I do, Jack, I'm always appalled by my voice and my accent. 
So the other day、uh-huh. I was thinking, should I do this? I mean, I do sound like a Russian spy, a retired Russian spy. And then I thought, yeah, oh, okay, I can, I can say that I sound like this, but I can also say, so what? You know, this is me, this is who I、yeah. am. So for me, this fake it till you make it, it's a multiple prong strategy. On one hand, is combating your inner saboteur. Because your inner saboteur tells you that you're going to fail, right? Yep. And yep. then you're going to have to tell your inner saboteur, okay, I might fail, but let me, let me show you how I'm going to try not to. And I'm going to fake it till I make it. And then the make it, the make it till you become it, this is the part that I love. So, so many people tell me, and I got asked on, this, on the podcast so many times, why am I so confident and how am I so confident? And I said this、mm-hmm. over and over again. I used to be chronically shy, not shy, chronically shy. I remember hyperventilating. Uh, you know, I, I think I fainted a couple of times when I had to stand up and speak. I can say, all right, this is me, this is who I am, I'm never going to make it. Or I can pretend next time when somebody is asking me a question that I'm not shy, right? And、yeah. if I pretend that I'm not shy, even though I know I am shy, maybe that moment I won't be shy. And then the next time I pretend again and I won't be shy again in that moment until that muscle becomes strong enough to sustain itself. Until You know, my inner saboteur, or it's not just the inner saboteur, it's your inner weaknesses,、uh, will,、mm-hmm. will allow space for your inner strengths. So, this is what I mean by fake it till you make it. However, let me just say it's not an excuse for ignorance, it's not an excuse yeah. Yeah. for sitting on your ass and not trying harder, right? The, the expression in itself says, fake it until you become it. Right? It doesn't say、yeah. fake it all the time. It says try it even though you're not, you know you're not good enough or you're not strong enough or you're not powerful enough. And the more you do it, you will become it. I couldn't agree more. And I, I, yeah, it's like, it's like a manifestation in a way. Like the more you think about it, the more you visualize it, you just you become it. Yeah,、right? absolutely. Absolutely. So,、uh, Jack, this podcast is a little bit about everything. The only thing that has in common is that we talk to, Normal people that have unconventional views. And what do I mean、yes. by normal is that I didn't want to bring、uh, you know, the regular uh, uh, celebrities, whatever that word is. Not that I have anything against them, I actually admire them, but I wanted to bring people from, from your daily sort of walks of life because I want to show through this podcast. By the way, we have 400 listeners today, and I'm so excited. I just launched it a week ago. Can you believe that?、Um, I'll tell you, it, it doesn't surprise me at all. I'm just surprised there's not at least three or four more zeros on t h e Well,、end. hold on. It, I, I am a week old. I barely learn how to box. <laughs> But one of, yeah, so one of the things that the reason why I wanted to bring regular folks like us is because I want to demonstrate that the person walking next to you on the street is equally extraordinary and unconventional. You just have not heard their story. Do you know what I mean? 100% agree. So you, 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask. Somebody as extraordinary and unconventional as you are, and somebody who is, I don't know, like I said, the most optimistic and positive person that I have ever met. Maybe this is a little bit of a personal question, but I don't need personal details.、Yeah. I want to ask you how do you look at a life partner, as, as, as a partner in general, man or girl? We, I always ask my,、yeah. my, my, my guests to. To、uh, choose whatever side of the gender spectrum they want. But how does somebody meet your standards if you are who you are? Oh, man, that's a tough question.、Um, I don't know. I mean, I've always gravitated towards people,、um, I guess, in past 
interpersonal relationships that are just that like want to be the best mm. at like whatever mm. it is that they're doing. And you know, best is tough. Yeah. <clears throat> and just like just like the word is success is tough, right? It's like uh you know, it's it's all self-definition. Um but yeah, I just I just gravitate towards people that like just I, I guess I just find that attractive of like, you know, people that like are, are, are you know, like, I guess, unconventional or striving yeah. for excellence. Like, you know, I don't know, people in the past of like, you know, you know, all American athletes or, you know, fitness, comp- like just people like it. And it doesn't have to be a physical thing. Like it's 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 just, you know, someone that I, I mean, what I do and I, maybe it comes across when I talk about is like I am genuinely obsessed with what I that's do. true like people people talk all about like oh work-life balance like I don't really believe in that <laughs> I believe that like what I, what I want to really I really mean this like I want to love what I do so much that I don't feel like I need to have yeah. a, a solid break between the two and so I guess like what I look for in I guess a life partner is someone else that is equally as obsessed with something mm-hmm. that it's like a pushing to like, like, for example, like, you know, I'm, you know, we're sourcing a product and I like, I, you know, before COVID is like, oh, well, I need to go to Thailand last minute to meet with XYZ instead of that person being like, oh, well, we had plans. Yeah. It's like, dude, you have to go do that. Go get it done. Yeah. You know, like, let that, that type of stuff that, that pushes and supports and encourages um, is, uh, is always huge to me. I just, I love people. Like, it, it's so funny. And I, you know, I think we've talked like, like when someone, I meet someone, like I, I just went to this new cafe the other day. They opened two days ago. And I was like, dude, tell me why you did this. Like, you want to be the best coffee shop here. Like, why'd you do it? Like, I, I just love people yeah. that are striving for, you know, their definition of the best or, or, or success. Um, so I think that's what I look yeah. for. I, I, um, I don't know if you guys know of this, uh, this woman in India. Her name is Kiran Bedi. And she was the first uh, police officer in, in India or the first chief police officer of India. And then she became a politician. She's really, 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 really impressive. And uh, she was asked many times about the sacrifices she had to make. And she said, I don't make sacrifices. I make choices. Mm-hmm. And I love that expression because there's an implication, again, in the conventional framework, there's an implication that if you make a choice that it's less conventional, it's, yeah. you know, painful. Yeah. Uh, I like that. What, what was her name again? Kiran Bedi. Right, there's, there's, actually, there's actually a movie about her life. And I have to say, it's, it's a documentary. It's one of the most powerful things that I've ever seen. And, and thanks to, to my colleagues from ECLIF, the executive education program at ASB, I got a chance to meet her in person. And if you think that I am, I have a presence, <laughs> let me just say uh-huh. I was a tiny mouse in a corner bowing to this woman who yeah. has, she, I think she's 70 right now, but she's definitely connected to a higher energy power than anybody else. That's high praise. That's high praise. I'm going to have to look her up. Yeah. So she says, I make sacrifices, not choices. Kiran, baby. All right, Jack. How about you now? Well, let me just, and I'll just, yeah. I'll, 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 but let me, like to me, to me, yeah, sacrifice. It's like to me, it's it's like I, I I would probably think that like to her 
they're not even really sacrifices. You know what I mean? It's just like she does them. She yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm to. sorry. I'm, I, the, the quote is, I don't make sacrifices. I make choices. Because yeah, she was always okay, asked, okay. how did you feel about sacrificing your personal life? Or how did you feel about sacrificing not having children? And she said, I don't make sacrifices. I make choices. And I, and I love yeah. that about, about the attitude of somebody, right? It is, it is my choice. <laughs> like you said, it's my choice. It, yeah. It's a simple, it's as simple as because I wanted exactly. to. Exactly. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> There's nothing. And, and so that's why, like, I look at those people yeah. that just, like, they, they don't, like, they did it. And they didn't let anyone tell them not to. Um, I, have one, so I, I, yeah, I, I have one more comment about love. And I said this a couple of times in my podcast. For me, it's more important how you love me that, than you love me. Do you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. it's how you love, not that you love. Because love can come in so many different ways and forms, right? Love can be, uh, uh, you know, uh, territorial. It can be uh, filled with jealousy, with... with with a lot of stuff, but it's how you love me. And if that, the type of love is compatible with me, which is in your case, I'm going to go to Thailand because I have to do this. And you're going to be like, great, go and do it. Uh, that's, I think this is where people tend to have compatible relationships when, when the type of love is compatible, not just yeah. we love each other. Yeah. No, I think, uh, let me ask you this. And this isn't one of my questions, but I was just thinking about it. Um, do you think that like, like, I, I don't, like, if, if someone were to ever, like, like, do you, I guess we, we just mentioned the quote sacrifice, mm-hmm. but like, if someone were to give something up for someone in the name of a relationship or in love, like, is that good to do? Or does that ultimately come back to be a thorn in a relationship? I think it depends. I think, to be very honest, I think it's an economic equation. I think is how the person who thinks that they gave up got something in return. Because humans, at the end of the day, we are, we are economic creatures. We will always uh-huh. measure, do I, did I give what, what I gave? Did I get something back in, in return equally or even more important? And I have to say, you know, I heard I say this all the time. The job is easy. People are not. And I also think relationships are easy. The people in the relationship are not. So I think if you don't feel like this was a sacrifice, if you feel like it was a choice, if you feel like that in exchange, you got something equally validating, equally valuable, equally important to you, then I think you can do that, right? So if your partner would say, you know what, I live in the United States, but I want to come to Malaysia and live here because I think this is where we can build our life together. I think that's healthy versus saying, you know what, I'm going to give up all my opportunities in the US and I'm going to come with you because this is what you want me to do. Do you hear the difference? Yeah. It's a massive difference. It should not be what you want me to do. It should be what I want to do. But there's another, Completely thing, agree. there's another thing about unconventionalism is when somebody puts themselves first in a relationship, they are perceived to be self-centric. Uh-huh. But what I think it happens is many times, and in many cases, women, I don't want to generalize, is you don't put yourself first. You put the other person first, and then you become resentful. And when you become resentful, you're like, but I did this for you. I was like, well, maybe I didn't ask you to do that. Maybe you should have put yourself first and see if this matches your needs as well. Yeah. And I I think all that, I think it goes to like, uh, I guess, obviously communication, but like just setting expectations and being very clear about objectives with everything, you know, and 
staying on the same and page. having confidence so. jack this is what i learned that people with who are naturally confident in themselves like you are a lot easier to do this um they have an easier time doing this because you don't you don't try to read between the lines because maybe there's nothing between the lines maybe i just want to go to thailand to sign the deal and then i'll come back yeah, right because reading the, between the lines is like oh so you think that strip is more important than i am you don't love me enough uh why don't you want oh, to spend yeah. the time with me that's oh. what i mean by this right i don't subscribe to that <laughs> I know. yeah that is oh yeah i can't that that yeah, yeah. that <laughs> yeah that bothers me when stuff like that happens <laughs> same here all right all right i have a question okay. and i guess i touched on it uh or like i guess kind of my last question uh-huh. but like um you know how do you personally define success like you know not i guess yeah. not necessarily just for you and yourself but like broadly mm-hmm. like that's a successful person. Yeah. What does that mean? So I say this so many times because sometimes I say, you know, I'm going to invite somebody successful. And then I call myself back and I was like, well, I don't know if that person is successful. So I recently moved right before the lockdown, maybe three weeks before the lockdown. I moved from the city center in the suburbs and I moved into an apartment that I never, ever imagined that I would be able to afford. It turns out it was cheaper than my previous one, but, you know, I was too lazy to search. And I Uh love it so much. And I have my private pool and I have a private garden. And the second I move, I started looking around and was like, oh, there's mansions. Those houses look really pretty. Maybe I should get a house instead. So I caught myself in this almost rat race of being like, how about the next thing? How about the next thing? And I realized that a lot of us do this to ourselves. We, we jump from S-curve to S-curve, as being here, success, uh-huh. a new job, a new paycheck, a new, uh, I don't know, a new relationship, a new achievement. And we think that's success. For me, yeah. that is not success. That is the race. Success is mm-hmm. when you enjoy being in, in, in the new apartment without looking outside and looking at the, the mansion outside and wishing to be in that. Or when uh-huh. you got a job that you love, but you're sort of like, oh, but I should be promoted. Even though I really, really love what I do right now, I feel like I should get promoted, right? So it's, it's, it's I think for me, success is getting what you want and being happy about it. I mean, this doesn't mean complacency, yeah. right? This doesn't mean complacency. Well, it's interesting because I, and, and like, I mean, you mentioned in the beginning that like, you know, I come from a sports background, right? And it's everything is about nothing is ever good enough. Everything is getting bigger and better and and this and that. But like at the end of the day, it kind of like, like, so what you just described, it's like, to me, it kind of is, it it, it sounds like complacency in the sense of like, you kind of have to be like, I mean, is winning like ultimately being this is good enough instead of just constantly wanting more and more. So it depends how you want the more and more. If you can be happy while you are on the search, in the sense that, can I, um, mm. can I be happy with my job right now? Can I fully focus on what I'm doing? Let's use the sports analogy. When I play the mm-hmm. game, can I be fully committed to the game? When I, when I win, can I, can I, can I uh, feel the joy for the win without thinking, oh, but next week we have another game, we better do that and... You know, but the other ones won. So how about this? So you can think about all yeah. these things, but I think the second you let them control the narrative and becomes all about that, I think this is where you start to you start to confuse success for sort of like um, a dark obsession, 
you know, it's. I'm with you. And I, yeah, I think you kind of you're saying that like enjoy playing the game instead of just thinking yeah. about winning. Yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah, I think you can be actually very um, successful from a conventional perspective, right? Have the house, the car, the the spouse, the whatever you want, and be terribly unhappy because you're constantly chasing something and you're not getting it. And this this deserves yeah. a whole new podcast, the chasing process. Or you could be like, I really love what I'm doing right now. I'm so excited about this. I do see the the the, the side of the rainbow. I, I see where I could go in this, but also let me enjoy the journey because I think we have this um, intense obsession with the destination. Everybody wants yeah. to get yeah. there and we make the process of getting there so painful. And then when we get there, we don't actually live there. We're, 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 yeah. we're trying to leave again and get somewhere else. So I, I would say for me, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think if I, if I can enjoy the process, then I think I'm successful. And by the way, process is something that takes me from point A to point B or C or D. So it doesn't mean complacency. Mm-hmm. It just means like, if I won the game, then let me enjoy the game. Let me enjoy playing the game. I saw, yeah. I saw a couple of years ago, Hussein Bolt came to Malaysia. Uh, I know I'm not pronouncing his name right. We have a, we have a student from Jamaica <laughs> and she's always telling me that I don't pronounce his name right. But he said, he, he, um, he was asked, why does he look so happy when he runs? Doesn't he realize that it's a little bit condescending to the other runners? I don't know if you uh-huh. guys have seen, but when, when Bolt runs, he has like a massive grin on his face. He, he, yeah. he, he, and a lot of people perceived it to be arrogance, right? And he actually said this. He said, I train 11 months, pretty much from day to night for this race. And when I run and I feel like I'm doing a great job, you think that I should not enjoy it? You think I should not rejoice yeah. in, in, my, in, my, uh, in my race? You, should, you think that I yeah. should not feel the, the happiness? Why do you think I'm doing this for, for the, the training? So I, yeah. I really think that we have this obsession for constantly chasing the next thing, which I don't mind, as long as you still enjoy the process and you can be present when you finally got that. The, the same way Bolt is present when he runs and he runs with the biggest smile on his face because he enjoys it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's really well said. I like that. That's a good definition for me. Okay. I don't know if it's, if it's good, but I realize that this is something that makes me unhappy if I keep doing it too much. Like if I'm constantly chasing something and, and yeah. you know, so I, I think I'm coming up with my, my final question. Is that possible? I can't believe time is flying when we're having fun with Jack Farrell here. So Jack, you said it's this, what we do. You said this in the beginning, but I, I do want to reinforce this uh, this um, this message. But you, you pretty much covered this in the in the first question. So, um, like I said, one of the reasons why I call this podcast the unconventional professor is that I was told all my life that I do not look like this, I do not talk like this, and you're absolutely right. I think everybody is unconventional in a way, but I also think that there's so many people who are still in the in the closet from an unconventional perspective, right? They feel like they have to fit, fit a pattern. They probably suffer in the process because, you know, your natural self is not, is not being free. But do you have any advice for people who are still trying to free themselves up, who are trying to come out of the conventional closet? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. And um, the, way, the way I look at, again, I, I look at, yeah, like unconventional is like, what is that, like, unconventional being like go and do something or pursue something or act a certain way that is different 
than what is considered like the normal path or whatever. And so to me, it's like, I think so many times people are like, well, well, what, like, what is that thing? What, what is that, you know, like, how do I know that's what I should be doing? How should I know I should go on this uh, unconventional path? And what, I mean, what I always say is like, and like, like, unlike an attitude, which I believe is a hundred percent under your own control. What I, when you're laying in bed at night, like what your mind wanders and thinks about and, you know, games out, like, I don't think that's conscious decision. I think that is truly innate, you know, thinking that's taking over and innate desires that like, whatever that is, I think you just truly have to listen to that and look at that and be like, that is what I am supposed to do. And by that, I don't necessarily mean that that is like a profession in the sense that like, like, like for me, like, I just, I I've always loved the game of like, you know, buying and selling things. And so that's like what I'm doing. Like it really does nail exactly what I want to be doing. But I think other people, it's like, dude, I lay in bed and think about playing in the backyard with my kids. Exactly. So then it's like, what opens me up to do that? So I think it's just truly thinking about what is it that I lay in bed and think about at night and, and, and what can enable me to do that. Exactly. It's really how I look at yeah. it. Yeah. It's, it's not just the thinking about it and obsessing, but actually getting up and do it because um, I, I think this is where a lot of the unconventional closeted people still struggle with the, the getting up and do it right. You can think about it, but if you don't do it, you don't do it. So the, the yeah. only thing that I have to say, I'm, I'm not happy about this five on five, is that the, the last question is for me. I, I probably need to change it to five on four, but it doesn't sound equally good. But I, I think you have a final question for me, Jack Farrell. I do. I do. Um, and so I one of the things because we talked about this earlier in class is like I always say, like, I love like rational thinking and just mm-hmm. like thinking like, I don't know, what would you do in like this situation? So I love the hypothetical game. OK, you know, like I love hypotheticals. And so a hypothetical I have for you is like, if you were invisible for 12 hours, what would you do? You have 12 hours, 12 hours from right now, you're invisible. What would you do with your 12 hours of invisibility? Do I, do I also have other powers or am I just invisible? No, you have (laughs) only, you have, you have, you're you, you're you, but you have 12 hours of invisibility. We can assume that like COVID isn't a thing. Like if you yeah, want to yeah, travel yeah. somewhere and do all that, it's it's open. But like twelve hours of invisibility from the time you say go. Hmm. I'm I'm not sure I can say this on the podcast because I might get arrested. But I would I would <laughs> probably use it to um, eliminate some of the darkness in the world. I like that. I I think I, like I, I think I would be a little bit of a Batman in that sense because I um I have. You know, I, I have a big problem with, with some of the leaders of this world, whatever the hell that world is, and whoever gave them that, that right. And I feel like maybe sometimes they need somebody to hold a mirror and say, who do you think you are to treat humanity the way you do? So um, I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but prob- probably I would travel in, in, in very, very fast and go to a few places and, and tell people a few things. And spe- specifically like these this people who are not, standing up to the the ethical and moral standards of humanity and and i think uh i think you heard me say this many times jack but i am a 
massive Star Trek fan. And especially I'm a Star Trek fan of the next generation because it's a highly utopian environment. It's a highly utopian world where we managed to overcome a lot of the a lot of the nastiness of humanity. And I feel like, you know, Star Trek says that we're about 300 years away from that to happen. But I probably would like mm -hmm. to accelerate that with my 12 hours <laughs> of invisibility. The, the question is, how sustainable would that be? But I'm also a little bit of a revolutionary at heart. So, you know, I, I do have some of these urges to get rid of some some actors that probably should not be walking on this earth. I admire that your 12 hours is going to be used for, uh, you know, the betterment of the world when other, who, I mean, some others would be doing it for joyful things and leisure. Like you're going to make the world a better place, Lord Donna, like you already are. So it doesn't surprise oh, me that. Thank you, you so know, much. That's, uh, I also that's thought, where you're going. I also thought for a second that I would go and try to free up animals. But the truth is that I'm sure somebody would find them and put them back in. <laughs> Jack Farrell, I always knew the second I met you, the second I met you, I knew that we have some sort of, of cosmic connection. I feel that if the world would be as, at least half as good as you are, we wouldn't have to wait 300 years to be what Star Trek says <laughs> that we will be. You really are extraordinary. You are unconventional because you are who you are. And I'm so grateful that you, you um, manifested this podcast. So guys, once again, Jack has been telling me for three years that I need to start doing something. And he, he told me that my voice matters. And um, yes. I will always be grateful for that. Oh, well, thank you so much, Lord Donna. Thank you for having me here. I, um, oh man. So yeah, it's, it's real now, you know, it's so <laughs> exciting. And I, I'm just excited to, uh, to follow along as it keeps getting, I know we don't want to talk about, you know, the end and how many this and that, but like, I'm just excited to ride along while this continues to grow and becomes a, you know, a very, very successful, however we want to define that, yeah. you know, same, podcast. Same so. for you. I wish you and uh, D2G um, uh, e-commerce platform that you are building all the success. I can't wait for the skin guac. I am enjoying very much my, my lavender and lava um, uh, face mask. Guys, I'm going to definitely post it on, on my Instagram. And thank you so very much again. For those of you joining us just right now, this was the extraordinary and unconventional Jack Farrell. This was 5 on 5 on the Unconventional Professor podcast. Stand by for the quick lesson of today. Welcome back. Wasn't Jack amazing? I, I love him. I'm telling you, he is so exciting. I'm just looking at all the notes that I took in this, in this interview with himself. I love when he talks about manifesting yourself, about uh, the willingness to, to show my true unconventionality. Uh, and I love the, the way he talks about love and finding a partner that is equally enthusiastic and hungry for life. So for the lesson of the day, I thought about something that it's connected to what Jack does, but also something that is is related to the week that I just had. Uh, at Asia School of Business, we had our annual leadership conference called LISA, the Leadership Energy Conference. And during this conference, I had to give a talk on my Nail It, Scale It and Sail It framework. Uh, it was barely a 20 minute talk, but you know, you do what, what you do. And then at the same time this week, I had an amazing conversation with Shelly Zalis. Shelly is the founder of uh, the Female Quotient, 
Um, it's an amazing Instagram account. You should check it out. They have over 150,000 followers on Instagram. The interview was live on LinkedIn. So if you want to follow it and check it out, please do. Um, Shelly is a very influential woman in the United States. She is somebody who truly believes in equality, who believes in, in empowering uh, women and um, in general minorities to, to succeed. And I really, really, really enjoyed meeting her, even though it was a 6 a.m. interview for, for my time. And then at the same day, which I don't know why I did that, I, um, I had a 10 p.m., 10 to 11 p.m., workshop with one of my uh, former students from MIT who is now in Mexico and I got to meet people from seven South, uh, South American and um, Spain countries and I talked about my, my smart framework. But for today's lesson of the day, now that I bragged about my own accomplishments for the week, so please allow that self-validation for a second, but I want to I wanna connect my lesson of the day to a lot of the things that Jack talked about, which is being an entrepreneur, trying to figure things out, trying to do everything by, by yourself, maybe fake it till you make it and then you become it. And uh, um, you, you might know or you might not know, who am I to assume that you know, you know anything about me, but I spend most of my, my, if you want, intellectual curiosity trying to learn about entrepreneurship. And I have developed this uh, framework that I call nail it, scale it, sail it. And it's a framework that talks about how companies evolve. How do they uh, grow from tiny little early stage startups? Uh, and then how do they scale? And then later on, how they become mature, sophisticated companies. And I use an analogy that describes this journey as a journey that first starts with um, hacking your way through the jungle with nothing but a machete. And for those of you who started something from scratch at one point in your life, anywhere from starting a new podcast to creating your own startup or launching a new product within the company that you work for or um, creating a new band or starting a new uh, musical theater company like uh, my, one of my guests said in the beginning of this podcast series, the early stage of starting something from scratch feel very um, strange, feel a little bit dangerous. They feel a little bit unknown. And it takes a lot of courage to know how to hack your way through the jungle. Um, it takes very little resources in the sense that you cannot afford to carry too many resources with you in the jungle. That's why I always say in my class, carry as little as possible, but choose that little with care. And you also need a very specific team of people that are fearless. They are very risk takers. They are adventurers. And they love the idea of solving a problem for the first time. And I call these people the nailers. So for today's lesson, I don't want to take too much of your time. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the nailing stage. And in an upcoming podcast, I will talk maybe a little bit more about the scaling stage, if you're interested in this. Um, also, I have a TED talk that you can find on YouTube. Just um, type my name and um, uh, uh, type TED talk. And I have to tell you, I cannot believe that I have over... 160,000 views and more than 200 positive comments to, to my TED talk, which I have to say, it's not my best talk. I'll admit it. I was extremely nervous. It was in front of over 2,000 people in a stadium. 
um, back home in Romania in front of so many local celebrities and people that I admire and I love. But apparently people like it and I hope you will like it too. So once again, the lesson of the day was um, uh, thinking about the entrepreneurial journey, the evolutionary journey that a company takes from the early days of nailing it to later on scaling it and later, if successful, sailing it. Today we talked about nailing your way through the jungle with very little but a machete, a team of adventurers, risk takers, and people who believe more than anything that the mission and the vision of the founder will help them find their way through the jungle. Thank you so much for today. Stand by for, for an upcoming episode. I am sure that the new speakers that I have lined up will equally excite you just as much as, as this one's. Thank you once again for listening. I know you have so many options out there and I am so, so grateful that you give me your time. Class dismissed.